This is Unstructured. Hey everybody, today I'm with Brent Clayton, and as I finally like to say, he's in tomorrow, because Brent is in Australia. And anytime I talk to people down under, I'm talking to tomorrow, it seems. Now, Brent runs Fire Recruitment Australia, and he took a bit of a path to become a firefighter and essentially sells training on how to become a firefighter at this point. How are you doing today, Brent? Yeah, good, Eric. Yeah, thanks for having me on, mate. Really uh, appreciate it. It's good to have you. Now, um, from my understanding, you didn't start out, go to high school, and then suddenly become a firefighter. You kind of found your way there through a bit of a path. Yeah, a bit of a yeah, wavy sort of uh, windy, windy road led me to where I am today as an actual firefighter, I suppose you could say. Yeah, definitely. I think I heard an interview born and raised in a kind of rural area. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah, really uh, true. So I don't know what the population was, but say it was um, 3,000-ish. It's sort of classic post office, general store, hotel, and that's it. Our school as well. So no traffic lights, uh, really nice and simple, uh, <laughs> rural-ish uh, place, but not in the sense of rural. Like the city is an hour and a half's drive. Um, so mm-hmm. rural, but still access to, to where, where is it? Uh, so Castlemaine is a town, um, it's n- north of the city. Um, which city? Uh, Melbourne, sorry. <laughs> uh, <Okay>. yeah, <laughs> north of Melbourne. Uh, and it's a really great spot actually, uh, because you do have that access. Like I just, I just came home from work this morning from the city. No worries. Called in at Cotton at a cafe. Had a nice uh, coffee and that, and and now I'm back back in the beautiful town of Castlemaine, uh, talking to you in uh, Virginia. Okay. So is it a coastal? No, not it's not coastal. Where I live, it's sort of like a arty cafe culture sort of town. Um, yeah, like I said, not, but it, it doesn't have all the big shops and stuff like that, which is what I like about it. There's no stress. You don't have to pay for parking or look to find a parking spot. Uh, it's a real community sort of vibe, and you're 20 minutes away from the next sort of big place where you can go buy TVs and stuff, if that's what, you know, jazzes you up. So, yeah. I'd, kind of bohemian lifestyle yeah, then? Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, yeah, stroll down the cafe. Um, no okay. people. It's, it's a really good vibe. People move here from the city a lot more lately um, in the search for that sort of lifestyle, um, you know, work from home, commute a few days a week type vibe. So um, I think that itself says uh, speaks volumes of, of the place and I've been lucky enough to grow up here, move around for work, have a look around, see if there are opportunities or better places that I'd prefer to live, but uh, I ended up moving back here and very happy to be here. So, yeah. Oh, it's awesome. It's it's good when home is uh, somewhere you want to be. Definitely, mate. Uh, like, I often think about what makes a place home and, like, uh, you bust it down fundamentally. It's, I think it's the knowing the people in the community and having having that. I, don't, I can't put my finger on it, but there's – you always want to go back there. It doesn't matter how much traveling you do or how nice the beach is. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I personally just, this is a what what I call home and, yeah, it's grass. It's comfort. Yeah. Comfort. So now 
on route to being the firefighter, you started off as a prison guard. What, what's that all about? Uh, yes. Yeah, so basically in a boiled down format, I was working as a fabricator for a number of years and that's quite hard work, uh, but I was used to that as a young fella. And then I had... What is that exactly? Fabricating uh, what? Making like uh, performance parts for cars. So uh, okay. without going into too much detail, like you'd get an old car and put a new fuel injected engine in it, would make that be able to happen. Uh, at the same time, I started an internet business uh, back then before I sort of even understood what the internet was. Um and that was also a hard slog because it was a, you know, if I didn't know what it was as a sort of 20-year-old, well, <laughs> I'm convincing car yards and stuff that it's the future <laughs> as a as a 20-year-old. Like, we, we What was up. the business? So, sorry? What was the business? Uh, it was a, a car sales website uh, before they were a thing. Um, okay. So, yeah, we were going around trying to convince old crusty dudes that they should uh, buy a subscription. <laughs> Done their cars on the internet, and I, I just remember getting laughed out of car yards by those blokes. Uh, at the time, it'd be awesome to catch up with them, you know, 14 years later and be like, How's the newspaper going for you now? Chance, I think <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd prefer to move in a positive direction than uh, dwell on the past. So, yeah, uh, I was doing that stuff, and it was very difficult as a young guy from the country to understand how to get a business big and all that sort of stuff. Uh, I applied for a job with the fire service is how I ended up working at the prison because I got knocked back. And I'm like, geez, I've done a bit. I've been in the army and stuff as well. And I thought I had a pretty good, uh, you know, CV or, or whatever you call it, resume sort of thing. And that they were sort of mad not to take me. But I'm like, I've obviously missed the mark somewhere. So I need to learn how, where I missed it. And I thought, well, I'll start applying for similar jobs and the prison was advertising at the time. I'm like, well, that's similar-ish as far as process goes. So I applied for that job and and I got it. So that's how I ended up working as a prison officer at the age of 23 or whatever. Um, it was just through investigating so, process, yeah. So you were using the uh, the prison to study the bureaucracy or or how to work within a bureaucracy and find your way in? Well, yeah, yeah sort of looking back on it, uh, as a 22, 23-year-old, I was using it as a, an experience gainer, really. Uh, but, you know, like if you've only done a certain amount of things and you're like, hey, I, I want a job with you guys and, and you've never really had a job interview, well, <laughs> chances are you're probably going to be terrible at interviewing, for example. So, um, yeah, I used it to understand recruitment process. And uh, when I became successful, I'm like, well, this is going to build some life experience, particularly at the age of 23, I think it was, when I started being a prison officer, uh, that I can leverage uh, during my interview to be able to beat other people that have got more life experience and stuff like that than I had at the time so that when I got the interview, I could show them what, I'd, what I've been doing, um, mm. you know, so that I could beat people basically and, and understand the process. So, yeah, that, that sort of... Well, what is, the, what is being a prison guard like in <laughs> Australia? Look, it's probably an okay job if you don't have a mind like mine. I, I, know, I get bored easily. Um, it, it, it's, 
it's not bad, but it's not my cup of tea. Maybe when I'm 60 and I just want to read the paper or whatever, um, it'll be okay. But coming from a, a background where you worked hard and you had to justify um, your time, it was a very mm-hmm. foreign environment getting there and having cups of tea when it's not smoko and, you know, uh, having very little to do apart from watch a bunch of people that have misbehaved in different ways that were, in most cases, at least 10 years senior to me. So, yeah. So <laughs> you never felt in danger or threatened or, I mean, all I know is what I see on on television. Yeah, so yeah, I don't yeah, know if you yeah. were in a super max or yeah. if you were in a kind of a light engagement. I mean, there's a lot of material there. Definitely. Uh, look, I'd be lying if I, if I said I never felt uh, that because – they're facts, right? And the prison I was in was medium security. And, and the way it works in Australia is you, you serve a third of your sentence at max, if that's where your crime was, and then a third at medium, a third at um, low, which means you've still got the bad guys in there. They're just, they've just behaved themselves for a period of time, right? So um, mm. I had a few interesting interactions within my uh, short amount of time there. I worked there for a year. And... Um, look, if I had the, if I was poor at communicating or, uh, if I was a bad person at aggravating situations, I could have really got myself in strife. But I, I think having the ability to communicate with people effectively in that environment probably helped me out in, in the few sort of closest calls that I had. But, um, you know, you, you still find yourself in vulnerable situations. It's just about knowing the process if you did get into trouble, what to do. So, like, prison officers and stuff get assault, assaulted on a more than regular basis. So it's a, a thing, but probably more so over in the States just because of the volume and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, uh, it was an experience. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then after your year there, you applied to be a firefighter and ultimately succeeded? Yeah. So after a year there, uh, applications opened up again. And I'd sort of, what I'd been doing while I was at the prison, I was applying for other jobs within the justice uh, system that I didn't actually want just to get <laughs> myself in into an uncomfortable environment so that I could get familiar with that environment so that when the job I wanted came along, which at the time was the fire brigade, it was no longer foreign or intimidating. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. So you were using it to get interviewed practice? Pretty much. Oh, interview mainly because that's where I particularly lacked in skill. But there's Mm -hmm. a whole raft of uh, tests throughout the process that you, you have to be good at. And that was where I needed work. So throughout the application processes and that, I'd get myself to interview, get exposed to that environment, um, and you, you grow from it. And it's like if you can get yourself into a similar environment in anything that you want to do as much as possible, you, you grow and it becomes becomes normal and then you can operate mm. above average um, you know, in that environment. And, and that happened to be the simple environment of, of interview. Because Pe- people are intimidated by that sort of thing, particularly when they want something from the people that are interviewing them. Mm-hmm. 
I have to say it's admirable, but kind of odd. <laughs> um, you went through a whole lot of strategy and a whole lot of systems to become a firefighter. What was the driving force behind that? I mean, you obviously were burning to become a firefighter. Is it because you were told no? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> That's sort of my nature. But um, my reason for becoming a firefighter initially is not that admirable. But I, I thought the job would be like a bonus on top. But I, I like the, you know, it's, the grass is always greener no matter where you are. Like. Uh-huh. I'd been told about this job. I didn't know it existed, but you get like quite a bit of free time and time off and holidays and stuff like that. And that really appealed to me after working tremendously hard for, you know, five years with no holidays and running a business or trying to run a, a business and, and working a full-time mm-hmm. job and all this sort of stuff. Um, so that was sort of my reason for um, applying and the job being a bonus and, you know, you get to sort of help people be part of the community, all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, the being told no thing is never, it's, it's a really good motivator for me, do you know what I mean? Particularly if, if it's something that I really want, um, someone says no, uh, yeah, that's, that's the best way to, to motivate me to take action. And, and that's sort of what happened in that, that, uh, that time or that story. So yeah, you've, uh, you've got me pegged out, I think, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. So, one thing that I've understood about firefighting, though, is there's a lot of sitting around there mm. and potentially a lot of boredom. I don't know how it is in Australia. I I know that here it can be a whole lot of boredom surrounded by sh- moments of sheer terror. Yeah, look, that's probably a good description of it. But uh, in, in my experience, uh, and particularly in sort of recent years, I've been doing it for 10 years now, so... Um, it's up to the individuals, uh, so as firefighters and within the rank structure, whether they do sit around and become incompetent and focus on negatives or if you use your time in a positive manner and become super competent, which reduces your sheer terror, um, you know, and focus on the positives and, and do things in a, a progressive manner. So, yeah, there's some spare time there, but, it's absolutely up to you how you choose to spend that time once you have looked after your, you know, statutory sort of obligation for the service that you're working for. Does, does that make sense to you? Sure, sure. And and that's a question I have too. Um, I'm not sure. Are you in a wildfire-driven area or yeah. anything like that? Yeah, we get, we get both. So it's, uh, it's called like a rural-urban interface. So... Uh, most of my experience and time has been spent in urban fire and emergency sort of management. Uh, but where I mm-hmm. currently work, it's severely surrounded by sort of grasslands mainly, which is, is not as bad as uh, wildfire, sort of bushfire stuff, but it, it's still a complication because you can't really narrow in on one specific, uh, you know, dimension of, of that job not that it's a a, a one dimensional job by any sure. stretch of the imagination so yeah <clears throat> i was curious um from what i understand statistically here in the states and i'm sure it's 
probably similar. Are fires overall decreasing due to better building codes yeah. <laughs> and inspections and things like that? Yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a great question or, or topic even. Um, and there's always forces that drive um, whether there's fires or, or emergencies and stuff. So, yes, to answer the question, because of improved building codes, etc. But the difference in Australia is we're a young country, very young country. So there's not a whole heap of old buildings like there might be in like, you know, New York City or whatever that have, haven't have been brought up to code or whatever. So as far as we're concerned, like technology like smoke detectors and stuff that have been around for a fairly long time now, definitely decreasing the um, level of trauma and stuff that's caused to individuals in the community. But then uh, there's attitudes within uh, the community and cultures that increase the demand on the service, uh, if that makes sense. How's that? So, like, some cult, like we're a very multicultural society now and probably going even more that way. Uh, and in some countries, they, like, if, if, like, back when I was a kid, if there's a fire in the nature ship, you just go put it out with a, a bucket of water. And now people just ring the fire brigade because they can't be bothered or, I don't know, like... Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, it's just... And I don't know if it's a generational thing or a cultural thing or what it is. It's people are, ex, are not taking as much responsibility for themselves or, um, you know, thinking that they can't do things that, you know, 20 or 30 years ago might have been <laughs> thought of as, as normal, like uh, instead of ringing the fire brigade because your neighbour's burning a... A mattress in the backyard going around going hey mate can you not do that that sort of thing <laughs> okay yeah like it's a probably a convoluted way of describing it but where we've reduced the need uh there's been an increase in other areas like we do medical response now um to prop up mm. the, the paramedic sort of system which is another demand and there's all sorts of disciplines of rescue and and like fire is a probably a smallish part or a you know still a still a fundamental part but mm-hmm. we do so much stuff now that the demand is it's still there so as far as fires decreasing yeah and and the intensity or the effect they have that that is true in an urban environment particularly but um i think we've still got a fair way to go as far as uh reducing that for the for the bush side of things or wildfire Stuff. Right. So, yeah, but it is all moving in a positive direction from where I'm sitting. So, yeah. So what you're telling me is that nature doesn't necessarily follow building codes. <laughs> True. Uh, and you said the word I think bureaucracy earlier. Like, there's a lot of good ideas and ways that we could manage or um, yeah, or manage manage these sort of nature type fires that uh, are taking a long time to come to fruition because of whatever reason um obviously competing interest yeah yeah so the the bush <laughs> the bush nature they've still got us pretty well covered but uh, i think we're on the we're on the improve there as well so yeah okay now this rolls into your current business yeah. which is um teaching others how to i guess um work the system to become firefighters because 
it's not a natural, easy course, I'm guessing, in Australia. Yeah, correct. As you found out. Yeah, no, de- well, definitely. I, I, I didn't waste a year of my life, but I cost myself 12 months uh, uh, through not knowing. And, and I noticed you said work the system. Oh, like, that sounds bad <laughs> when you listen to it, but I prefer to think of it as improving your understanding of the requirements so that you can do your best within a system or the system. Sure. Both are appropriate, yeah. but if there's a system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. The system is in place. You have to respond to the system. Definitely. And if you have no idea, uh, you know, how to get the best out of yourself within a system, whether that be uh, throughout, you know, aptitude or cognitive testing uh, and, you just rush into it and, and bomb out because, you know, not because you're not smart enough to do it, because you didn't understand it. Well, I see that as a, a really big waste of your, your time um, and, you know, lifestyle and potential in, into the future. Um, and, look, I know this because I, I did it personally, uh, at mm-hmm. the other end of the spectrum in the interview, and I'm meeting people on, like, a, a daily, weekly basis that have spent, you know, hopefully only one time doing it, but up to, you know, seven or eight times, you know, getting going in, getting knocked back, going in, getting knocked back. And and when you quantify that as a as a cost to to these people's lives, it's it's quite significant. Uh if we can even, you know, nip it in the bud a year or two earlier, like that's that's a life changing result for a lot of people. So that's what uh, I try to achieve with my business is getting the right people, the right help, so that they can perform at their best. So that even like just so that they know that they've given it their all. Do you know, like this job is not for everybody. That that's for sure. But if you were really keen on it, wouldn't you rather go? Well, yeah, I've done everything I can, and I've had the correct help and. I've put it all on the table and now I know, like, that's, I've done my best. Like, I've taken responsibility for this application or whatever and I know that that was my best go. And if it was good enough, that's fantastic and I'm I'm in a job I should be. And if it's not, well, at least I can move on with life instead of banging my head against the wall for 10 years. Right. Now, not to play devil's advocate, but (laughs) it can also be seen as a feature of the system. Feature. That... Sometimes the difficulty in getting in there. Now you're currently in the system. Yeah. You don't want to work with somebody next to you who is not qualified to be there or is incompetent because that could potentially cost you or other people their lives. Yeah, correct. That's a very valid point. So by it being difficult to get in, that could actually be seen as a feature. Now that leads to my question here. When you're working with people, are you helping dissuade some people? Because flat out, I'm sure there are some people you say, you see them and they really are not the right material. Well, it's probably not going to yeah, work. Yeah. Out. So we have a process of screening our own clients um, so that we can pick okay. that up early because I don't want anyone wasting their time or their resource, uh, right? you know, on mm-hmm utilizing our our service and products uh because and, and it's not a good business model either because then yeah. you got to pay a lot of upset people 
um, going, oh, that didn't work or whatever. It, like you can't please everyone. But, um, sure. yeah, like we're not tricking anybody here. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Like we're not going, oh, here's, here's a loophole, uh, right. you know, this is about getting the best of your ability. If it's not in there, we can't get it out. You know what I mean? Like, um, and a lot of people have got the ability, and even with the training, they can't force themselves to get the motivation to take the actions within the training and, and stuff right. to do it. And, and that, like, th- that covers every sort of business under the, the sun that's coaching and helping people. Um, Mm-hmm. It's the old lead the horse to water, but you can't make a drink sort of jazz on, on that um, segment of, of the clientele stuff. But, yeah, it is it is a feature that it's hard, but I'm helping people do their best within that. Right. So you are actually training them and helping qualify them, kind of like a, a tutor. Yeah, yeah. After exactly. a so, like, when I failed my interview wasn't because i didn't have uh you know the the skills attributes qualities etc it was i didn't know how to describe that to the the panel at a level that they'd be like yeah this guy's gonna get well in here and the proof of that is i learned how to do it and i went back and told them the stuff and they're like yeah here's here's a job and that's the (laughs) only difference it the only difference is I worked at a prison for 12 months and I learned how to talk about my skills and attributes and stuff and how that related to the fire brigade and how that was going to help them succeed in their overall goal and, um, you know, strategic direction. And one other thing, <laughs> you had a year's experience yeah. working at the prison as well. Correct. You were not the same person a year later. Uh, I couldn't agree more. And this is another thing that I often talk with people about that have, not seen success or they're they're very young or or whatever it is, is it's a journey, right? And sometimes things happen that are they seem shit at the time. Like I wanted to get in the first time, but um, I wouldn't have the story and the experience and the perspective that I got from that 12 months of working in the prison. Like I don't want that Mm -hmm. back now. At the time I did. Do you know what I mean? Um, Right. So, yeah. That's not look. I reckon a lot of a lot of things that happen that you see is terrible, uh, where you grow massively. Uh, that's certainly been the case for me in, in a, a lot of ways. Like it, it disgusts you at the time, but if you if you sort of can align yourself and and kick on, and and use it as a, a growth tool for yourself in in most cases, and it, it's gonna you're going to get something out of it bigger than the loss. So, Well, now you're starting to even grow a little bit out of what you've created here. Yeah. From what I understand. Yeah, definitely. And it sounds to me like you're starting to view this as a template for potentially other businesses or entrepreneurial journeys. Yeah, for sure. So, I suppose it's take. I'm not a. I'm not a technical sort of, uh, you know, uh, coding type guy. So uh, ten years ago, when I started creating this business, things were a lot harder, and I really dis- disliked that that side of it. But out of it, like I had to learn by, you know, 
taking all the falls and making all the mistakes and employing the wrong people and doing all the wrong things. But it's got me to a point where I could recreate something like what I've created in, in like a month instead of 10 years. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, it's, I'm at the point now where I'm looking at ways that I can start helping others that have got a skill or a message or something positive to give to people uh, that don't want to make all the mistakes and stuff like that. So there's got to be something in that 10-year experience and the continuation of that now that I can uh, start passing on and helping people save years of their life in in another area, you know what I mean, in creating mm-hmm. their products and services and stuff that are going to help other people. Um, so that's that's probably an area I've grown in and that I'm interested in because, like, it hasn't always been easy over the last, um, you know, 10, 10-ish years of, of doing this stuff. But once you figure it out and get a good team around you and get systems and processes in place in a modern world that's ever-evolving, um it starts to be fun again because you get to have discussions with people like you and you get to concentrate on creating really good products and services instead of worrying about why your email doesn't work or, you know, why your website's Mm -hmm. down this week or, you know, things that instead of putting out little fires in your business, you're concentrating on going forward and helping more people. It's a fact. If you don't have to worry about that stuff, um, you, you get to do better higher quality things and affect more people in a positive way. So, yeah. So you're in that sense, um, business coaching. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Look, I haven't figured it out exactly how, how I want to go about it, but I just know the goal is to help people avoid, um, you know, think pain and suffering that they do not need to by, you know, getting clear about, what it is that they can do, making sure that's a thing, and then the best, simplest way to implement that sort of thing. So, yeah, there's a lot of business coaching uh, sort of stuff popping around the place. And, yeah, like I don't want to be just if, – if I'm going to go down that path, uh, I want to be really clear about how how I can, in fact, help people do what I just sort of covered. So, yeah. But watch okay. this space because there will be something – Okay, so it's just in gestation right now. Yeah, I want to get it right. So if I can get the vision right now, then it, it makes the the you know the putting all the cogs together much easier, much more fun uh, going forward. Because that, that's part of what I realised out of this fire recruitment Australia is um, I want it to be fun, and I've got it to a point where it's fun, and I'm I'm making a difference, and I'm helping people, and not worrying about you know, emails and this and that and so on. So whatever I do from here on in, plus working as a, a fireman, uh, it's got to be fun because, you know, it seems like I'm getting old real quick now. <laughs> once once you turn 30, it seems to start uh, spinning around a bit quicker. So whatever I do, it's got to it's be fun and uh, in, enjoyable as, as much as it can be while being, you know, yeah. doing, et cetera. So, so- now, where can people find you to uh, follow you on this journey? Cool. So 
I've, I've got my uh, firerecruitmentaustralia.com website and then I've just popped up a personal page at brentclayton.com. So if you're, if you're listening to this and you're thinking that it sounds like something that you might be interested in now or down the track, just go to brentclayton.com and I'm just going to keep that updated with where I'm at and, and what's, what's on offer and what's going on. Okay. So, yeah. And all your social will be... Uh... Yeah, on there things like that. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, you can you can find me through the socials if you go to either of those main websites, and uh, yeah, we'll keep the combo going going that way. Well, awesome! I'll definitely put in the show notes. Legend, mate. Thanks. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, thanks so much for coming on. No, nah, not at all, Eric. You're a champion, mate. Uh, thank thanks for having me. Hey there! Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to learn more please check out unstructuredpod.com. There you can find all the episodes, free subscription information, and most of the players and even how to contact me. I would love to hear from you. You can even set up a 15-minute call with me about the show or anything you like. Again, it's at unstructuredpod.com, and I hope to hear from you. Now, in the spirit of sharing... Here are other shows you may want to consider checking out. Thanks again. Hi, this is Kara Mayer Robinson, and I host Really Famous. I interview A-list celebrities. I dive deep because I used to be a therapist. This is what Tim Gunn said. I just have this antipathy for the judges. I can't stand being in the same room with them. Tim Daly. If you're not working in L.A. and you're an actor, there's no worse place to be. Michael Rappaport. I changed schools every year from the third grade to the twelfth grade. Disruptive was my thing. Chaz Palminteri. I knew something was going on. I said, I got to talk to somebody. It's really famous. It's like eavesdropping on a therapy session. Now, tonight's adventure into the unknown. Shut up and sit down. Hey, it's Sarge. And Frenzy. From the Sarge Approved Podcast. Uh, If you're not familiar... The Sergeant Proof Podcast has a guest every episode featuring uh, people like actors, comedians, uh, survival experts, authors, martial arts experts, basically a whole gamut of badass people. Yes. And you can check out all our episodes on all the podcast platforms, iTunes, Spreaker, uh, uh, Stitcher, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, um, Yeah, you can check us out on all our social media, Facebook. Instagram, Twitter, all the things. It's all at Sarge Approved. Yep. Check it out, and we hope you enjoy it. Bye.